Welcome to After Hours with Dr. Sigalov, where he can share ideas and thoughts with you. He gets to the heart of the issue so that you can find the truth. The views and opinions expressed are his and do not represent the U.S. Army, DOD, nor the U.S. government. Dr. Sigalov was either off-duty or on approved leave, and Dr. Sigalov was not in uniform at the time of recording. Now, to Dr. Sigalov. All right, let me go ahead and get started. Well, thank you for joining me again. I want to first give a shout out to my Patreon supporters. I want to encourage you to think about becoming a Patreon supporter. What they're doing is they're allowing me to have um, some flexibility. You know, I'm I'm in a legal fight that's cost well over $60,000 thus far. And these people are donating to help me in that fight. And I truly appreciate it. At the Plandemic Reprimando uh, tier, which is $17.76 a month, we have Sam and Angela Schelke. Thank you. We have Perry also at that level. At a custom-made level, for $10 a month, we have Kevin and Katie. And then at the refined yet not burned level of $5 a month, we have Joe and PJ. I want to thank you all for doing that. Uh, Also, very soon, if it hasn't been already, this graphic behind me will be available in a patch. Uh, And I'll put the link down below as soon as as the store is open and I'm able to get some out. Um, So today, we have Ben Carlisle. Now, Ben is a lawyer, and he's worked in... Uh, workers comp for about 13 years and he he tried some different avenues he ran for for some political offices and and he's he's finding his way back into workers comp because there's a need there there's people that have been injured and i first came across him when he said something that was mind-blowing to me there's there's a way that we can help hold people legally responsible because we can't through the prep act. We cannot hold the doctors responsible. We can't hold Pfizer, Moderna. We can't hold any of these people responsible, but there is a group that is not covered by that. Now, Ben, thank you so much for coming on. And so quickly too, like we were connected in within the week. I think you're already here. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for having me, Sam. So tell me what your, what your legal, and it may not be a legal strategy, but it's it's the the way you're going forward right now. Yeah. So, I mean, as you indicated, you know, people who've been injured by the vaccine really, they thought they had no recourse because, you know, what you hear over and over again is you can't sue Pfizer, you can't sue Moderna, you can't sue the vaccine manufacturers, you can't sue the government. Um, so a lot of people are just, you know, people who are vaccine injured, they can't work, they've got medical bills piling up and they really think they have absolutely no recourse. And for a lot of them, that, that unfortunately is the case. But there's one subset of people that actually do have a legal recourse. And those are people who were, if your employer mandated that you take the vaccine as a condition of obtaining or continuing your employment, and you were injured by that employer mandated vaccine, you have a workers' compensation claim, which is a little different than a lawsuit. It's not um, workers' compensation, at least in New York, which is where I practice, and, and just for your audience's benefit, that's the only place I, I'm licensed, so I can only um, help out at this time New York State claimants. But what you can do is you bring a claim for benefits, so not a lawsuit. You don't have to prove negligence. You don't have to prove any of that. Um, you can bring a claim for workers' compensation benefits. And so far, um, haven't taken one all the way through adjudication yet, but the initial steps are looking positive. We've gotten some findings that there's enough evidence to proceed. And on uh, my first case, we've actually been set for trial in January. So I'll be able to give more updates in the future. But right now, it's it's looking like this is an absolutely viable path um, to get some people some justice. There's really um, there's no defenses in the workers' compensation law that I that I've been able to see that's going to be able to get employees to escape this liability. I think they're on the hook 
Uh, and time will tell, but I think it's a very viable path to get people the justice that they so desperately need and deserve. And even if, let's say, it's not as fruitful as we would want, I think it would send a strong message if lawyers all over the country started filing these in every single state. Yeah. I, I, that's the, I, I had a conversation earlier with the uh, Children's Health Defense this morning, and, and that's, we were talking about the exact same thing. I think this is going to be absolutely successful. But, you know, there's two ways to look at success, getting people justice, which is awesome, and I think we will. But to your point, the second avenue of success is to make these employers think twice about continuing these mandates or ever doing it again in the future. If they realize that, hey, look, they're the only ones on holding the bag. They're not going to be able to go after Pfizer. They're not going to be able to go after the government. It's going to be the employer and the employer alone. Now, most of them have insurance, but you know, they're going to, if too many claims build up, their insurance carriers are going to drop them. Their premiums are going to go through the roof. So there's absolutely an incentive for them to not have this issue explode on them. So absolutely. If we get people all over New York state and all over the country to start bringing these claims, I think we'll see these mandates go by by very quickly. Now, before we came on air, we were talking a bit about your past, which I think is is a good thing because um, so often one side can be pegged to a political party and the other side could get pegged to a political party. And I've been I've never wanted my message as a physician and as a you know a soldier also to ever be diluted or discounted because of a political party because you know typically people in my position are only one political party and and I typically don't bring up my political party here and I I won't today um for that reason right because it doesn't matter what your doctor or a doctor's political views are um but in particular you mentioned this and I I think you kind of mentioned it it seemed like you were mentioning it like I am aware awake not woke but awake and and you would actually run for some positions yeah. some office positions is that right yeah, I mean, I'm a lifelong Democrat and, you know, 2020 rolled around and the parties kind of told us which side you're supposed to pick. If you were a Republican, you were supposed to be against lockdowns and mandates. And if you were a Democrat, you were supposed to be for them. If you were a Democrat, you were supposed to be for censorship. If you were a Republican, you were supposed to be against it. And, you know, when I joined the party 20 years ago, no one ever told me that, you know, I was going to have to support riots and looting and lockdowns and vaccine mandates. We talked a lot about bodily autonomy 20 years ago when I joined the party uh, and not to get too far afield. But I also joined the party. You know, I was uh, in 2020 when I voted in my first you know, election. I was, um, what, 19 at the time. Shortly thereafter, the Iraq war takes off. And, you know, I personally was against the Iraq war and the Afghanistan war. Uh, not want to get political, but, you know, the only people at the time that were vocal against it were Democrats. And now, you know, for the most part, you see Democrats cheering on war in Ukraine and Republicans being against it. So it's like all this stuff where, you know, it's not like any of the party platforms said this is where we're at. It just somehow we we got very tribal and we picked sides and and all of a sudden, you know, people said, you know, if you're going to be a good Democrat, you got to be for this. And if you're going to be a good Republican, you got to be for this. And and I'm really sick and tired of that mentality. I think each issue has to be analyzed on its own merits. Every candidate has to be analyzed on his or her, her own merits. I don't care if you've got the R. I don't care if you have the D. I don't care if you have the I. I want to hear what you have to say, what you're passionate about, what you're committed to do. And if you're going to keep your promises, it's so we have to get away from this 
viewing medicine in a, through a political lens, viewing science through a political lens. They shouldn't be. These are things that, that should be completely separate from, from science or from politics. If you want to take the vaccine, you should do your research and make an informed decision based on what's best for you, not what your party's telling you to do. So yeah, so um, 2020 rolled around and after voting for Democrats for 20 years, I said, whoa, I don't know what's going on, but this is not the party I joined. I didn't leave my party, but I, I very publicly said, I'm not voting for you guys anymore. And I ran for mayor of Buffalo just as, as a write-in candidate against two other Democrats who supported lockdowns. They were, one of the candidates ran on a message of when she got into office, she was going to institute a vaccine passport for Buffalo and make every municipal worker take the vaccine. So, yeah, and I'm, again, as a lifelong Democrat, said absolutely not. And I was one of the very few voices in Buffalo, Republican, Democrat or otherwise, who, who came out very vocally against all that stuff. And my point was just to say this doesn't have to be a political argument. It certainly is an argument, but we don't have to pick political sides on these arguments. Come at me with a better argument than, you know, my party says this is the way to go. And it was interesting as I had, I was discussing with a couple of uh, officers in the military and I said, can I tell you about this? And he said, I, I, I don't want to get in a political debate. I, I said, He's, this, I'm talking about a bioweapon that the military is making us inject into our soldiers. How is that a political debate? Is, is yeah. one of these parties like on the, the payroll of the CCP? Like it blew my mind. Yeah. And, and like, this is great because you and me, we can sit and we can have disagreements and I'm sure there's plenty of things we disagree on, but there's one thing that we all agree that you and I agree on. Cause we, we talked about it beforehand, the constitution, the bill of rights. We agree on that. We love yeah. our country, maybe different ways of running it. Maybe, bigger or smaller social nets, but we love the country. And I think that's one thing that, that I'm glad you, you could see that you had the eyes to see. Well, and that's what, to me, one of the most offensive things that the Democrats have done lately is paint anyone who has an American flag as an extremist or a racist or a kook and anyone who loves the constitution as an extremist or a racist or a kook. Uh, you know, we've got the bill of rights for a reason. The founders, developed the constitution. They said, you know what, this is great and all, but let's have some affirmative rights for people, people who know this is, these are rights you have. And the very first one they came up with was freedom of religion. And when I saw governors closing churches because of a virus with a 99.7% survivability rate, and no one stood up for the first amendment, the ACLU was just AWOL for two and a half years. They finally, the ACLU, I saw them come out the other day and they they tweeted something. Um, I can't remember what it was, but I was flabbergasted. I was like, the ACLU is actually standing up for free speech again and against censorship. It's nuts. But we just we we just completely turned our back on the Constitution and accused anyone who wanted to follow the Constitution of being crazy. And that's so sad, so destructive to our um, our discourse that that should be the one thing we all agree on. Maybe the interpretation, you know, we could have differences of interpretation, but just completely excluding it and saying and scoffing at the Constitution. Um, very frightening times. If we can't agree on that, then then um, I'm, I'm I'm frankly have very serious concerns about our country. And to kind of further your point and give an illustration of that, when I was given the day I was given the order to to get the shot. I think it was the 17th of September in 21. Um, this, is some, this is a practice I've been doing for almost two years at that point, is giving out constitutions that I felt people would, you know, pocket constitutions uh, to patients or to people that I felt would appreciate it the way that it should be appreciated. Most of those people have, tend to be 
people, first generation Americans. But I was handing those out to a few people that were refusing the shots along with me. And then come to find out later when they did a commander's 15-6 investigation, there was a couple of nursing staff that said, oh, and he was handing out constitutions as if it's a bad thing. Like we all took the oath to swear allegiance to support and defend from all enemies, foreign and domestic. And they are saying, and he was handing out constitutions. Can you believe that? Now it's contraband. (laughs) You can't make it up. That's just so infuriating. Mind blowing. Yeah. Jeez. Crazy. Okay. So yeah, so you, you ran for office and um, can't remember. I think you covered all that. Um, was there more that you wanted to talk about on that? What was that? Sam? Was there more that you that. wanted to talk about on running for office? Um, I mean, other than the fact that I lost, no, not really. Um, but what came from that was was something good because. You know, I, I practiced law for 13 years doing workers' compensation defense work, the most boring and non-satisfying work you'll ever do. But doing that, um, I got really good at litigation and I got really good at knowing the tactics that defense companies or insurance carriers use. So, you know, I took a break from the practice of law starting in 2021, um, ran for mayor, then I ran for state senate, and neither one of those panned out. But, you know, I think as I told you before we went on, mostly I did that just to to have a platform to make a point to say that there's at least one Democrat in New York State who doesn't agree with the current trajectory, who does not agree with all these decisions that are being made. So I raised a lot of awareness. You know, I, um, you know, maybe got, uh, you know, an A for effort. Didn't win. But when that was over, I had to decide, well, what do I want to do with my life now? I still want to be an advocate. I want to be a voice for change. I want to try to find justice for people. I think, you know, one of the reasons I got in to office is because as I I mentioned to you off air, my wife lost her job. She's an ER doctor, was working here in New York, um, declined the COVID vaccine for religious and medical reasons, was denied. So she was forced to quit her job, took a job down in Florida. And um, my motivation for running for office was in part to try to bring awareness to that issue. We lost over 35,000 healthcare heroes in New York to this mandate. And I wanted to have it repealed and get all these people their jobs back. So when politics didn't pan out, you know, I, I raised awareness, but it didn't pan out. I had to decide, well, I, I guess I'll go back to the practice of law. Not wild about doing it, but I'll do it. But this time when I go back, I want to do something that I'm, that's going to be fruitful. It's going to help people. And I said, well, the one thing I can do is something that bizarrely no one is doing. And I've got a lot of expertise in help people bring workers' compensation claims for people who've been injured by employer-mandated vaccines. Right now, I've checked all of New York. There's one other attorney who's taken these types of cases on, and he's only done one. So no one's doing it. No one's doing it. I don't know why, but they're not, and there's an absolute need for it. So that's why I started my own firm, and, um, and I got you know a little grudgingly back into the practice of law, but I think it's so important that, uh, that we continue, each of us, find... Whatever you can do, whether it's doing a podcast, whether it's going out and holding up a sign, whether it's going to, you know, a committee meeting, anything you can do. And one thing I can do is I can continue to practice law. So that's uh, that's kind of, you know, transitioned out of politics, but but kind of staying in the same vein, sticking with with something I'm very committed to. I mean, I think that's I, I'm usually a pretty good judge of character and um, I, I, I see a very good man here. Um, and you know, so often <laughs> doctors have now done this to their name. So, um, um, 
doctors are there's there's not many good doctors left but previously you know there'd always been jokes about how lawyers you know this that and the other but what's amazing is you're using that legal degree and and you may not have understood at the time but back then when you're doing those 13 years and i don't know if you made this abundantly clear to anybody but you were working for the insurance companies working potentially against patients but you learn the inside you got in the inner gears and and see how every piece of it works and so now they have a formidable enemy because you know every trick of the the whole trade you know everything and now you're using that to do a lot of things to bring justice to help those that have been hurt and and also to to bring success to you and your family I agree. And, and here's one thing I'll say in defense of doctors and lawyers. I've been so disappointed with both professions over the last two years. But when I think in my head, the heroes of the pandemic, it's doctors and lawyers, honestly, because there have been a few, a few doctors and a few lawyers who've come forward. Uh, and I'm doing my small part, but there's some rock stars out there that are just doing really great work. And there's some rock star doctors who have given up they're facing losing their licenses. They're facing losing their credentials. Um, they're no longer being able to have their work published. It's, they're, they're taking on, you know, a huge, huge risk by going up against big pharma, by going up against their hospitals. And, and I have just the world of respect for, for the doctors who have stood their ground and have spoken up because, you know, for a doctor who's just starting out, maybe they've got half a million dollars of student loan debt. You know, it's it's a really tough spot to want to speak up. But the ones that who had the fortitude and the courage, you know, hats off to them. And a lot of it was, you know, absolutely zero thanks. They got censored. They got fired. And we may never hear from someone again, but they showed real courage. So, um, like you said, I'm severely disappointed that 99.999% of doctors <laughs> and lawyers who dropped the ball. But, yeah. you know... Some of them did step up. So I think, you know, we need to recognize and, them. And that small percentage that's that has been refined rather than burned through this fire that we've all uh, had to withstand, those are the doctors you need to find out. Those are the lawyers you need to find who they are and, and give them your business and give them your support, even if it's just a, a handwritten letter or an email saying, keep up the good work because it helps. Those little notes, I get them fairly on a regular basis and it, it helps. Absolutely. It helps very much. Yeah, I've gotten, um, you know, the one email I, or the one tweet I put out, I put out a few about this, but one of them kind of took off and got like a million impressions. And for a while there, I was getting a ton of emails about, can you help me in Guam? Can you help me in Connecticut? And, and you know, I, I can right now only help people in New York, but I, I got one note yesterday. It was just a thank you. Just thanks for doing that, this type of work. She didn't want anything. She just wanted me to know that, that she appreciated the work I was doing. And it meant a lot. It really did. Now... You were, um, you mentioned this earlier and, um, I want to bring it up cause you said, I'll, I'll say it on air and I, I, I applaud you for wanting to say it. And I've actually, I don't think you've, we haven't known each other for very long and, and I don't expect you to ever see any of my content cause it's, I'm, who am I? Right. But you had mentioned something about a bioweapon. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, you know, people, I hate this argument of, you know, did it escape from a lab or, or is it from nature? And to me, like escape from a lab, I hate hearing that. Nothing escaped from the lab. In my opinion, the much more likely explanation is that this was the designed and released on purpose. And the reason I think that I don't, you know, you were saying you've got some more concrete evidence of that um, or 
you know, some suggestions. But to me, it's just a gut feeling. When you see almost every nation on earth have the exact same response, they're all going to lock down. They're all going to mask. They're all going to build back better. This to me just looks like an absolutely coordinated, choreographed event and, you know, prove it otherwise. I think um, it's looking pretty clear that a lot of the technology that they were working on with that, these vaccines predate um, COVID. They've event 201, all this other stuff, these, you know, war games that they were planning. If for whatever reason, a coronavirus was released on purpose or escaped or whatever, all these different strategies that we would put in place in order to respond to it have all been followed exactly to a T. So um, I, I'm convinced it's a biological weapon. And that makes me extremely mad that, you know, they tried to kill us. I don't think they did a very good job of it because, you know, this thing turned out to be rather innocuous. But I think what it did was, sorry, my cat's kind of decided she wants to, uh, to no join this, but I'll put her down. Um, yeah, sorry to lose my train of thought with my cat on my lap. But yeah, I'm, I'm convinced it's a biological weapon. I think that's very serious. It raises other implications if that's the case. Um, you know, how long were they planning the vaccine and are the same people who released the biological weapon also the same people who are developing the vaccine? I don't know, but it's something to think about. It makes you wonder. And, and for the listener who may have heard it before, but in episode 33, that's the first part of my bioweapon series. And I, I stumbled across this probably in September through November, sometime around there. And it says that when the FDA declare, first they must declare an emergency before you can have emergency use authorization for new investigational drugs. And that was done on 27 March, 2020. And then it lists out four reasons that you could call an emergency. There's really only three. Uh, and of those three, every single one of them includes a chemical, radiologic, or biologic, or nuclear, or seaburn, chemical, radiologic, biologic, or nuclear, um, agent that could be injuring U.S. soldiers on U.S. soil. Um, I'm sorry, it was, uh, no, no, it was U.S. citizens on American soil, U.S. citizens on foreign soil, or the military. Those were the three reasons. So for them to be able to call an emergency, to have the authorization to use EUA, emergency use authorization, there must be a chemical, biologic, radiologic, or nuclear agent that is used against one of those groups of citizens. That was a declaration of war, in my opinion. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, and I think all the anecdotal evidence that we've seen since March of 2020 just seems to reinforce that narrative. I've seen nothing that undermines it whatsoever. Um, I, got a, I got a few more minutes. So, yeah, if you got any, uh, my wife, I've, actually, we're going to go to a... Um, there's a, a group of doctors here in the area who can't practice medicine anymore, at least not in a hospital setting because they won't take the jab. So they're setting up independent clinics, which I, so I'm very excited. That's kind of why I asked you to, to bump yeah, this yeah. up a little bit, because I want to be able to go hear what they have to say, because to your point, um, not only seek out doctors and, and thank them for their courage, but also seek out doctors and give them your business. The doctors, I switched my dentist, my my dentist wouldn't let me in the building without a mask on. I said, I'm not going to go in without with a mask on. And so they lost my business. I found another dentist who would, who would take me without having to put a mask on. Same with the people who cut my hair. I, I sought out 
um, restaurants, bars, anyone who was going to get my business was going to have to be someone who believed in personal freedom and liberty. And right now there's a bunch of doctors in New York who, who can't practice with the practices they were with. So they're getting together and they're going to open up independent practices where all patients are welcome, where they're actually practicing medicine that helps people, where they're not going to just be a rubber stamp for what the FDA or the CDC says. They're going to prescribe off-label off -label medications that they know are working for people. They're going to use some independent judgment. They're going to be doctors again. So I think it's really exciting. So um, I'm excited to go hear what they have to say and, um, and give them my business. That's what, you know, again, I'm, I'm seeking out people not just to say thanks, but to but to reward them with my business for standing up and having the courage to do the right thing. And we vote every day with our money. With our money and our feet, that's what I tell people. Because um, I, you know, not to get political about elections, but um, having less and less confidence in the integrity of our elections in this country. But that's why my wife and I are voting with our feet. New York has become such a hostile place. We're going to go down to Florida where... You know, they still believe in freedom where you don't have state income tax, where the weather's much better than New York. It's like we've got some family here. I've been here my entire adult life. I really like New York. I don't particularly want to leave. But if if you know, you're showing me the door, basically, and I'm saying bye bye, voting with my feet, voting with my dollars. Absolutely. And kind of indirectly. Also, it seems as if there's like a parallel economy, right? There's there's the side that doesn't want any of us there. You know, like you have to wear a mask before you come in. Well, I'm not going in there. Just like you said, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to give you my business. So where do I go to get my business? Well, that's the other side of that parallel economy. Yeah. Like even my cell phone provider, I use one that doesn't give to organizations that I don't want it giving to. Yeah, I think and people need to to do a little more research on who they're supporting um, and, and realize the power you have with your dollars. Um, seek out people who have the same values as you, or at least don't give money to people who have values that are contrary to you. You're probably never going to find anyone who's perfect. I love it when people say, oh, this mega corporation did this and I'm going to boycott them. And I feel like telling them, trust me, there's not a billionaire on the planet who isn't corrupt and evil, in my opinion. So it's like, if you dig deep enough, you're going to find someone um, you know, who's got something wrong. You're not going to find anyone who, whose values line up exactly with yours. But uh, for the ones that are just obvious and in your face and, and completely don't align with your values, take your money I think elsewhere. Because I'm not calling for boycotts, right? Because I think that's not good for anybody. But if I can spend money here or there, I'll spend it where they want me to spend it rather than where they don't want me to spend it. And you yeah. know, do I still buy stuff from people that I, I don't particularly like all their business practices? Sure, because I don't have another option. If I had another option, I would maybe pay even a little bit more. I do it all the time. I, I, um, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes we use Amazon and I, I hate myself every time I do it, but you know, my wife and I, every Sunday we drive out to a farm. It takes us 25 minutes to get there, but we get fresh milk from the farm. We go to a separate farm to get produce and flour and all this other stuff. And could I, I could walk, there's a grocery store two blocks from my house. I could walk over there and I can get a bunch of genetically modified crap and it'd be much cheaper. But, you know, I go out of my way to find good food and I don't mind spending a little bit more money. I, maybe my wife and I have that luxury and it's, you know, easy to tell. A, <laughs> this is not neither here nor there, but the Wall Street Journal had a headline, you know, the best way to save money right now is to pay cash for a house. You know, don't, don't, uh, interest rates are too high, pay oh, cash, yeah. uh, you know. Great advice for someone with billions of dollars. So it's not practical 
vice versa. Not everyone can, you know, drive out to a farm and get foo-foo organic milk, but, you know, do what you can is my point to, to support um, people who's, again, you know, whose values align and with I I'm, I'm wrong on this and I'm not going to say what are exactly, but I think most will understand, but I think it's good to do what you're doing, to know your local farmer, your no- local rancher, build a relationship with them where you're buying from them. So they know who you are and you know who they are. So that if you can't get things shipped to you, which yeah. hopefully never happens, um, you, you have a relationship with these people and they're more likely to sell to you because, oh, hey, that's Ben. I know Ben. Who's this guy who just came in? I don't know, but I'm going to sell to Ben because I know Ben. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I just saw, I think it's in Holland, somewhere over there where they're trying to take every all the farmers' farmland away and they're trying to just tax them into bankruptcy but a lot of the farmers are just selling their produce directly to customers instead of grocery stores and you know you're gonna have to like you said you're gonna have to develop relationships with those farmers in order to get their goods so absolutely knowing where your food comes from i know we're getting kind of far afield but that's just a really important part of uh life on this planet uh developing relationships and knowing where your food's coming from that's a good place yeah, to ben, start you don't know this about me i think most of the listeners do um if they've been listening for a time I'm really big into food and this started like in January of 2020, just before, um, just before COVID hit and I got into carnivore and you know, you and I can talk privately off- offline if you have any interest in it. I've seen amazing changes. I had a patient taking 80 units of insulin every single day. He went on carnivore. He went down to 10 units of insulin in one week and within two months off of every pill. I've had two patients with rheumatoid arthritis. They went on to carnivore. Within about a month or two, all their pain, everything went away. They came off their pills. And when you put the best fuel into whatever machine you have, you get peak performance. So true. Uh, diet comes down to everything. It's uh, so frustrating, you know, Western medicine. When someone comes in with high blood pressure, you know, we give them a pill instead of saying, maybe you just want to lose 20 pounds and, and take a couple blocks, walks around the block. Um, our cat had a had was losing fur on one side and, you know, the vets were like, well, is it fungal? Is it this? Is it this? Is it this? And one of our friends said, you know, why don't you just try changing your diet and see if that works? And we did. And it cleared right up after they tried 10 different things. All of them were, you know, pills or shots or something like that. When when it really just came down to diet, better diet. Absolutely. But, that, you know, in America, we want a pill to fix everything. I don't want to want to lose weight. If I want to lower my cholesterol, if I want to control my diabetes, it all comes down to a shot or a pill. It very rarely comes down to life or very rarely do doctors suggest lifestyle and dietary changes where that would, you know, making up a number, but probably solve 90 percent of these people's problems if they uh, look for a more Maybe natural more way to get healthy. Yeah. Higher than that, yeah. And Higher than 90. To, to that same effect with the cat, like, yeah. um, I was walking past, we have a bag of cat food sitting there, and I'm like, what in the world is a carrot doing on the outside of that bag? We started buying carnivore cat food because cats are purely carnivores, and, yeah, they're they're doing great. Nice. Yeah, I, I this is neither here nor there, but I was having a conversation with a a buddy who's a vegetarian, this is years ago, but he feeds his cats, cat food, you know, meat. And I'm like, why do you do that? Well, he's like, well, that's, you know, how they evolved over time and their bodies mm. need it. And I'm like, hmm, what are these things? I, you know, these are called IT. What are they there for? Oh, no, 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 no. And I'm like, turns out humans, you know. You must have meat. You can try to make yourself yeah. just 
plants all day long, but it's, it's really not mm. what your body wants um, at all. And, you know, how many people have you met who are vegans who are anemic? A lot of them. Every patient that I've had that needed iron infusion that didn't have gastric bypass were vegans. And, and not to yeah. say that you have to eat carnivore. Yeah. Just turns out your body wants. And not to say that everyone has to be carnivore. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. But you don't every run. person must eat meat or some animal product or they will not live very long. Yeah, it's a fact. Um, and I, and I personally, I, I don't eat a ton of meat, but you know, probably a few times a week. Um, but, but the people, you know, who, who have done what you've done, they all report feeling much better. All of them. I don't ha I don't know anyone who said, God, I tried that and it just didn't work out for me. I, you know, they all say I lost weight. I had more energy. I feel great. Well, I did it because of them. narcolepsy and it, I found out I had, I was in Alaska and that I had narcolepsy, which surprised, like I'm always the tired guy in class. Right. Um, but when I started eating this way, the pills worked. And when I yeah. would eat a carb, I'd fall asleep, you know, in the middle of reading a book to my children or in the middle of playing cars with my kids or, you know, I mean like, whew, you know, it was a significant change in my life. Um, yeah. But let me just, uh, I'll say this one thing about, um, about these vaccine injuries that, um, you know, there's a couple different things that's going on with that. And I think one of them is making pharma patients for life. When someone develops myocarditis or they develop all these other things, they're going to be chasing remedies for the rest of their life. Um, and that's what they've done. They've, they've, they, I think they probably want to kill a bunch of us, but the rest of us, they just want patients for life. They've given us a bunch of neurologic conditions, heart conditions, all these different things that we're just going to be chasing solutions. And guess who probably sells all the solutions to the problem they created? Pharma. And when I say solutions, I'm putting that, you know, in quotations. Yes. Thank you so much for coming on with us. I know you got to get going. You've got that doctor thing today. And I, I think it's wonderful that there's enough that are coming together to do what they're doing. Um, where can people get a hold of you? Let's say if uh, someone wants help in New York or if there's a lawyer that wants to reach out to you for, um, I don't know if you'll give advice, if, but I don't, whatever lawyers do with lawyers. Sorry. It's an unknown realm to me. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm trying to meet up with other lawyers. So, you know, if I can't take a case in Florida, I'm trying to find Florida attorneys who want to take that case so we can kind of send each other. I would ideally would like to find lawyers in all 50 states who can take these types of cases. That way, if someone reaches out to me, I can have a resource to find them. But anyone who wants to reach out to me, lawyer or, or someone who wants legal help, um, my website's the best place to go. It's It has my website on there or it has not my website because it is my website. It has my email on there. It has my telephone number on there. It has links to all my social media. So that's bencarlislelaw.com. And from there, they can they can find a, a host of different ways to, to reach me. And I'll put a link in, in the show notes below so that, so that you can easily click that and find that. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sam. I appreciate it. This has been a real pleasure. Great talking with you. Thank you, Ben. It's It's been a breath of fresh air to be able to sit with someone who, you know, in the past we couldn't even look at each other, but, but really we have the same fundamental ideas, maybe slightly different plans of, um, of treatment, but we can come up with the same diagnosis and our treatment plans are not so different where one's going to destroy the country and one's going to destroy the country. Cause that's what they say. Absolutely. You're, you're going to destroy the country. No, you're no, we're, 
And it all starts with conversations, treating each other civilly and hearing the other side out. So um, this was a, a real pleasure. But, you know, even if you turned out to be, you know, a real horse's butt, I would still like the opportunity to talk with you because we need to exchange ideas. So it, it worked out that uh, that you turned out to be a real guy. Yeah, no, and, and, and you as well. And, you know, I, I've been able to meet the, the greatest people on the earth, the, the salt of the earth people through this. And, and I want to let everyone know that you can be salt of the earth people and still not be a political party that you would normally think of because that's not what it is. It's, it's what's in the heart. Yeah, I agree. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. No problem, Sam. Have a great afternoon. Just a reminder for everyone out there, duty uniform of the day, the full armor of God. Let's all make courage more contagious than fear.